When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you to make better financial decisions in your life. So one of the keys to financial freedom is you got to avoid being taken back by scams and fraudsters. They're so good at separating you from your money. And I'm going to tell you what I want you looking out for. Later, when booking travel, you used to be able to see the name of a hotel and know what it meant today not really at all i want to tell you why that is and what you need to do to protect your wallet and the experience you're going to have when you're booking hotels so there are multiple reports that ponzi schemes are just bigger than ever in fact Barron's Magazine reported that Ponzi schemes are up 70%, 70% over the last year. And the amount of money being stolen from people that's reported stolen is many, many, many billions of dollars. And that's only the reported amount. It's actually much higher than that. One thing that's fascinating Who are the perpetrators? 90% of perpetrators of Ponzi schemes and scams, men. What is it about us as guys? 90% of the criminal activity and financial cons is coming from us as guys? Anyway, what the scams are rotates depending on what there's buzz about. So naturally enough, the area that's led to so many of the scams in the last few years has been crypto is kind of like the headliner because people thought crypto was the shortcut to wealth. And so it just became a thing to con people with crypto. But it can be many, many different things. And you got to be really aware how easily you can end up getting taken. Now, listen to this. One in three people getting scammed now are younger. In fact, let me, let me give you a better way of looking at this stat. Young people are four times more likely, according to the Federal Trade Commission, to get scammed than the elderly. We've always in a lot of states have these laws to protect the elderly from Ponzi's and scams. And overwhelmingly, younger people are more likely to be taken than older people. Why do I think that is? I have a theory, and it's a theory, there's no fact to support this. But I think the difference is there are so many people, particularly in their 20s, who grew up with things being done 
online rather than in person. The scams that have been so effective in recent years are scams that have been low risk and low cost to no cost for the perpetrators because they're doing everything online through social media, websites, email. And so we become so accustomed to making connections with people that are virtual connections. You've never met the person in person, whatever, that it's become low-hanging fruit for scamsters and Ponzi operators to rip off people that are younger where it's not a requirement as for so many people that are older that for them to get ripped off, it's got to be a face-to-face connection, a hotel ballroom kind of presentation or something like that, or a one-on-one meeting where someone older is going to be kind. It's a lot more time, a lot more labor, a lot more expense. So that's why people that are younger who are more accepting of what they might see online, might they might connect to through social media, please be very aware. Something else about online. You get a text alert from what appears to be your bank saying there's activity on your account. Did you authorize this charge? Your immediate reaction is, uh-oh, somebody's trying to get at my money or somebody's doing a false charge on my credit card. And it'll say in that text, click here or whatever, don't do it. Don't do it. Because so often those are scamsters impersonating your bank or your credit card. The information on who you have accounts with is so out there, thanks principally to the Equifax unbelievable data breach of years ago and other data breaches, criminals are micro-targeting based on where they know or are pretty sure you have banking relationships or credit cards. So know that you are an easy mark for them with these false alerts, and so often, again, by text. If you get an alert, maybe it is really from your bank. Maybe it is really from your credit card company. Never, never, never click on that link in that text. Instead, if you've got the app for that financial institution or that credit card, go to it. There will be right there a fraud alert notice. And you will be able to respond appropriately in it because you'll know it's from the actual bank or credit card or credit union you do business with, but never in that hot link in that text. The same thing would be true with a hot link and an email. Krista? They're fake PayPal invoices that come in that, that are like from PayPal. So yeah. they appear to be from PayPal, oh, yeah. but they're like not. Someone sends it through PayPal and say that they say you have an invoice, but you check your own PayPal account Look at the activity on your account, and that'll tell you what's really going on. Have you seen? Has that happened to you? I've seen that. I've seen. Whenever I get anything that says PayPal invoice, I just delete it immediately. I mean, I get so much of it. I'm sure everyone does. All right, let's go to some questions. This first one from Sean in Iowa. I unfortunately was involved in the FTX debacle because I had a few thousand dollars invested in that crypto exchange. There are now all sorts of links popping up in social media to see if you qualify for cash settlements against FTX in seconds, but I don't trust them and I don't want to fill out the information request. Do you know how I can go about the process of recovering or confirming that the amount I lost is eligible 
for a theft loss on my taxes, et cetera. Thanks for all your advice. I listen to every podcast. Okay, first of all, I'm really sorry that you're caught up in the FTX meltdown, among others that have happened with crypto. We need our old ripoff alert sounder. Can you mimic it? No. (laughs) We need that because anyone getting these notices right now, know that you ignore all of them. You're getting that somebody's going to help you recover your losses from FTX or any of the other crypto meltdowns or what may turn out to be scams or Ponzi's or whatever. And it is going to be a long slog. In the case of FTX, what I've been reading is uncovering all the layers of FTX and where all the money is gone and what money may have been stolen, even not within FTX, but outside. This is going to be a long, long road. And there will come a time where there will be a legitimate process for claims. As for claiming the loss on your taxes, that's one I cannot answer. That's when accountants who do tax still trying to figure out when it's going to be proper and right to claim losses from uh, theft or whatever involving crypto. And so it would be not appropriate for me to try to answer that right now. Paul in Illinois says, how is the 529 account treated in a FAFSA form? Are they part of the parent's assets or treated like retirement accounts? This is a wonderful question. So there's a very small amount of money that is in a parental-owned 529 account for benefit of a child that is treated as assets for financial aid. That's why the 529 account is so great. It is not the same as a retirement asset, but a very, very favorable formula through the FAFSA and how schools will evaluate financial worthiness for your son or daughter based on having a 529 owned by the parent. So you always want it to be owned by the parent and then the beneficiary should be the child. Right. Drew in Ohio says, my wife and I are planning to add a third child to our family, but with that comes a need for more space in the home. In the current market, we could get a big chunk of equity if we sold, but we're struggling to be able to afford an upgraded home since our current mortgage is at 3% interest. We've also considered financing a 600-square-foot addition to make our current home a forever home. What's the smarter financial option to take given the current housing market and interest rates? And there's a PS, we love our neighborhood and our school district. Drew knew that was going to be a key determinant. So we've got a lot of people in America that might have, in a prior economic cycle, have sold and moved, in your case, to a bigger house, maybe in the same neighborhood because you love the neighborhood or the same area that keeps you in the same school district and all that. Today, people have to make a completely different decision because we have so many people who have these unusual ultra-low mortgage rates that only exist because of special moves by the Federal Reserve starting in the Great Recession, continuing till last year, that artificially held down mortgage rates. So you're looking at, if you move, your entire home is subject to an interest rate double what you have right now. So that carry cost is gigantic. The cost of doing an addition to your home, the cost per square foot 
is much higher per square foot than what homes in your neighborhood sell for per square foot. But at 600 feet, I don't know the total size of your home, 600 feet, construction materials and construction personnel and contractors, much more available now than they were when housing was going great guns in the United States. So if it were me, you love the neighborhood, you love everything about the house and whatever, I'd do the addition, even though doing additions is not exactly fun. So there's this show called Love It or List It on HGTV. And it's the same, there's two, there's a realtor who shows them a bunch of houses that would be like better houses. And then there's uh, someone who renovates their home to see if they're going to, and then at the end they go, so are you going to love it or list it? And you say, Drew, you're going to love it. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I am just so clueless about popular culture, but I do know something about travel. And we're going to talk about a hotel angle I want you to be aware of. And that's the name on the building means nothing today. And I'll tell you why. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet... You can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I want to tell you something about your travel this summer or whenever you're going to travel You're on the road, you're trying to decide where you're going to spend the night, or you're booking a trip, you're going to go by air, you're going to go by car, but you're booking in advance, you're trying to decide what hotel you should stay at. And historically, people paid so much attention to the brand and they decide, well, if it's a Marriott or it's a Hilton or it's a Hyatt or it's a a Holiday Inn or whatever, you had your impressions of what those brand names meant. But today, those brands have proliferated. Marriott now has 30 hotel brands of all different various names that say blah, 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 Marriott, Courtyard by Marriott, Residence Inn by Marriott, Marriott by Marriott, JW Marriott, and on and on and on. And then you've got Holiday Inn, Holiday Inn Express, and then Crown Plaza, and then all these other brands Holiday Inn has. They may have 18 different brands under their parent umbrella. Hyatt and Hilton each have about that many or somewhere around 20 different brands. And there are all these brand extensions. And I won't bore you with a big brief on why they all do these brands, but it all has to do with them wanting to violate territorial rules and put a competitor right next to one of their own brands. So somebody who thinks they've got this big territory they're selling rooms in, suddenly they have a competitor under the same umbrella Marriott, Hilton, Hyatt, or IHG, which is the Holiday Inn brand, right next door to them or right across the street or whatever with a different owner. I mean, it's it's all about these hotel brands no longer 
own and operate their hotels. They just want as many of them out there as possible that are paying them royalties or royalties and management fees. And so the brands used to tightly enforce quality in their hotels, but now they're much more about the sales side and they let the hotels slide on quality. I see it over and over and over again. And it's funny, you go use TripAdvisor, you got to be careful because of fake reviews like you do with Yelp as well. But you can get a real sense that you can look at the same hotel brand, even the sub-brand. Like you could look at Courtyard by Marriott and look at four locations in the same town. And you can see that people are talking about this one that's really great and this other one that it's run down and that it's dirty and blah, 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 that the brand name has lost its meaning and what it means to you. And there's only one exception I know of in the whole hotel industry. And Krista, you know what it is and say what you call them. And then I'll say their real name. Dreary is what you call it. Oh, Dreary Inn, yeah. Dreary Inns. (laughs) Just because that one that you wanted me to. It was a great hotel, by the way. So dreary. It was a great hotel. You didn't stay there. You just driving by on the freeway. We were driving. We were doing an event in Nashville, Mm -hmm. and you had us at this unbelievably expensive hotel. Well, they put us up for free. It's not free. Somebody had to pay, and their money is just as valuable as your money. And we wasted so much of their money because they paid. It wasn't free to them. Well, they were having you on their show, and that was something that they do for their guests. I, I didn't like want to be rude. I don't like wasting money. I didn't want to be rude. And it was walkable, and we didn't have to worry about a rental car. And pouring down rain. So it saved us money. Remember how it was raining that day? I do. Okay. And they picked us up. Okay. All right. Anyway. It was awesome. But yeah, that one looked very But dreary. I couldn't afford breakfast at that hotel, and I had to walk in the rain to McDonald's. McDonald's. And if we'd stayed at the Drury, we had this wonderful hot breakfast at the Drury. Anyway, I digress. The thing about, sorry, I haven't done picking on. Uh, Drury is what so many hotels used to be. They own and operate their properties. So they're not, not every one of them is going to be perfect, but they're very consistent. That's what's missing from the hotel industry was that's looked at as like ancient times that you'd actually put your name on a building and run it and operate it in a way that people could trust the name there. And I don't know if you know the history from the 1950s. That's how Holiday Inn became such a huge success in the United States is people would go on a road trip as the interstate system was developing and they'd stop at one awful place after another and the Holiday Inn the guy who found it was like, you know what? I'm going to open something that's consistent everywhere. But Holiday Inn is not going to be consistent everywhere. Hojo's, Howard Johnson's. Howard Johnson's, yeah. yeah. Well, New England reference. Oh, is that just New England? No, no, but it was really big when oh. you were growing up. The Orange Roof. And you mentioned all those Marriott brands, but in addition now, I get confused because then they have addition hotels and autograph series that are yeah, all different it's names nuts with because uh, all they're trying to do is get those royalties right so they keep adding these brands and how in the world do you figure out the difference between they have all these crazy names they call them upper mid-scale budget budget this that and the other they've got all these classifications they use in the industry i promise you experts in the industry are just faking it because nobody can figure it out much less you and me 
So before you book something because you once stayed in that brand or used to stay in it regularly and it was great and it was consistent and you knew what you were going to get, it doesn't work that way anymore. So you've got to take your time, whatever review sites you like, check out a hotel before you check in and spend your hard-earned money on a place that may be dirty, may be run down, may not be safe. You want to know that other people, the collective wisdom of the crowd tells you that place is A-OK. And Marriott, Hyatt, Hilton, IHG, none of you are making me happy because the consistency in your hotels is flat out gone. You're allowing the sales side to rule instead of the quality side. And ultimately, you will devalue the value of your brands unless you bring back quality standards, period. So I just want to mention that when I'm looking at reviews, and maybe this is obvious to everyone else, I always change it to be most recent because a lot of times there's been big changes over the last few years. Yeah, the hotel, the reviews you could be looking at would be from 2014 or something like that. Or 2020 or 2019. So looking, that is a great idea to do most recent reviews and actually read them. Don't just look at the like TripAdvisor, the circles, the, you know, they have the five circles and how many are filled in. If you see one that's got a lot of reviews and it's three and a half circles or less, don't stay there. All right. Well, Melissa in Florida has this question. Can you please explain what happened to Scott's cheap flights? I don't know if this is a joke, but their website has a different name and concept. Do you still think this is a good service? So Scott's cheap flights and something that I think was a terrible idea, but Krista thinks is okay, changed its name to Going. And I don't know what they were thinking. They had built all this brand equity under Scott Kaiser's image and name and brand, because he's now a brand. He's quoted all the time. And they, they have their own reasons for changing the name to Going. It still works like it did before. The airfare information, the sales that pop up, the information's just as solid as before. And I just don't get it. I mean, you get an email that says going, and then in parentheses it says, formerly Scott's Cheap Flights. I think they're probably trying to be a bigger travel brand, is my guess. But Janice in Georgia says, recently I heard a friend mention Zip Air as she was considering a trip to Japan to visit her son. I'd never heard of it. And I listen to Clark every day, just wondering what Clark thinks of this airline service. Is it as good as they purport to be? So uh, this one is Japan Airlines discount brand. The thing in Asia is the big Asian airlines have labor costs that are too high to sell to people that are price sensitive. So they each are setting up their own discount subsidiary in the case of Singapore Air, it's called Scoot. Scoot. I just flew on Scoot. Uh, if I remember right, Cathay Pacific, the discounter may be called Dragon. The Zip Air is Japan, Japan Air. Air's discounter. So they are wholly owned typically by the big Asian brand name airline. They use common maintenance and all that, but the employees make lower wages. They often do quicker turns, and their business model is all based with the discount subsidiaries on Ryanair Southwest kind of model with these, but more like Ryanair, where you pay extra for bags and things like that. 
Pothole? And the seating's usually really, really tight on the discount subsidiaries. So we don't have personal experience with this airline to say, but it's a legitimate airline. But it's own and it has a deep pocketed corporate parent. Pavel in Nevada says, I will be traveling to Prague from Las Vegas in early November. I found a deal for 922 round trip via Amsterdam. Should I buy or wait? I really like the layovers and prefer one-stop flight. It would be much to your advantage to wait for a sale on fall airfares. When you hit November 1st, November 1st through February 28th is off-peak for fares to Europe. And if you book this far ahead, you're not getting the advantage of the off-peak fare sales that will occur. And even though we are not likely to have any kind of terrible recession in the United States, the economy is in a slowing cycle. The airlines have really had it their way with airfares for a while. And I think you're going to see for November, November to February is not the most desirable time in most people's minds to go to the Czech Republic because it gets it can be really cold there and you got short days a lot of darkness so I would expect the fares that if you give it some time will be much cheaper than over 900 round trip I would say easily you should be able to get down to maybe 500 550 round trip maybe even less for that if you let the clock run some till there is a sale for the off season as to when that would happen it could happen as early as early summer, but more likely August would be when you'd see sales that would cover the period from November to February. Uh, and there can be just weird sales that come out of nowhere before that, but the most likely time you'll see a better deal there is going to be the back half of summer, and I would wait. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And if you have not traveled in a long while, if you got out of the travel habit because of COVID and you got the funds to do so, gosh, there's a whole wonderful world out there. It's the greatest experiences of my life other than my family is being able to travel. And there are going to be so many deals as we move through 23. Take advantage of them. Go somewhere. Have fun. Have fun.